We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. <laughs> this is Alabama coach Nate Oates. And we're not playing. I watch Field of 68's After Dark Show. This is coach Bruce Pearl. I love the Field of 68 After Dark Show. This is Duke head coach John Shire. Check out Field of 68 After Dark. This is Xavier head coach Sean Miller. I highly encourage you to take a look at After Dark. Now listen to you guys every morning when I'm getting ready. This is Field of 68 After Dark. All right, welcome to the Field of 68's After Dark. Hope you like our new intro. Uh, this is the best nightly college hoop show on the planet. I'm Jeff Goodman, and I'm joined by the one and only Tyler Hansborough. And no disrespect, Kevin, uh, but also Sports Illustrated's Kevin Sweeney. We got so much to talk about tonight. We have a controversial call with Duke on the wrong end for the Blue Devils. We have one bubble blue blood uh that's celebrating while another one is uh, suffering right now. And uh, four teams in the top 12 suffered upsets to unranked teams. As always, we are presented by Bet Rivers. You can also catch us on Sirius XM Channel 84. We're streaming on the Field of 68's YouTube channel and on Twitter. And make sure you stick around on YouTube at midnight because you can ask us whatever you want. And that includes, uh, Tyler, whatever you want. And we'll answer those questions. Uh, all right, let's get into it, boys. We got so much. Uh, how you doing after a, a, a big day of watching games all day and all night? You tired, Tyler, or or, or what? I get tired generally uh, around like 9 p.m. So, yeah, it is getting there, but it's been an exciting day. A lot of, uh, you know, I got a lot of joy out of the games today. Kentucky lost. Uh, Carolina won. So uh, it's been a good day so far. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to those. Uh, all right, let, let's start with the Duke loss on the controversial call at Virginia in Charlottesville. They lose in overtime, but in a tie game, Kevin, uh, Kyle Filipowski drives and, and appears to get fouled. Uh, there was a foul called, but then they went to the monitor, the, the officials, they reviewed it, and they determined that the foul occurred after the clock hit zero. You know, to me, watching it, I, I thought he was clearly fouled with a body before the clock hit zero. What was your take on the call, and did Duke get hosed on this? I think they did. I mean, first off, I, I think he was fouled before the clock hit zero. I mean, se second of all, you know, I think the just the communication and the game management by the referees was not very good, right? Like, when 
when they're going over and they're announcing inside the arena, oh, you know, we we overturned that there was a foul. We didn't see a foul. Like, that, that's not what happened. And that just causes more confusion and distrust. You have John Shire in the post-game press conference saying he doesn't know the rule they're referring to that's like deciding the game, right? Like that's not a way to to settle a basketball game, right? And this was a really good game, a really competitive ACC game. And for it to come down to something like this is is really disappointing. And I think the biggest thing, right, this is a really strange rule. I don't think any of us totally understand what the what the rule is, how it uh, should yeah. be enforced. Right. Um, but I think at the end of the day, the biggest thing is there's no transparency or accountability with the officials, right? Like there should be, if nothing else, a pool reporter who can sit with the officials and ask and get a clear, detailed explanation of like, here is how we came to the decision of, of this is the rule. This is why we call it this way. This is why you know, we took the foul off the board and at least give fans an understanding of why they, why they changed this game, right? The game's over when, when Philip house gets fouled, the game's over as soon as he's going to go to the free throw line, he's going to make one. And so to me, that's the most disappointing thing, right? Like I think it should be a foul based on what I saw, but I don't even know the rule well enough to, to know. And that's mostly because the refs haven't explained it to me. I have no idea what I'm looking at. I looked at the rule book. I can't find what they're looking at here. It's crazy. Uh, Tyler, nobody hates Duke more than you. But did Duke get hosed here? I hate to say it, but yeah, they did. They got hosed. <laughs> the refs missed it. I mean, they blew the call. And the concerning part to me was they went back and looked at it on replay and still didn't give them the foul. Yeah, still screwed them. Uh, and the other question, you know, it's 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 also kind of does Shire not as have, doesn't have as much pull as K, and that comes to my mind. Because you know that K would have been on the sidelines. You would have he would have been working the refs. Classic K. Uh, yes. I don't know that if uh, he's still not coaching, uh, that they were not shooting free throws tonight. I think if if Coach K was still on the sidelines, I think they'd be shooting uh, two free throws to win the game in Virginia. So uh, it is unfortunate that it came down to this call. But you know, I'm I'm with Kevin. Um, it's still confusing. There's a lot of clarity that needs to happen with a lot of these calls, and we're sitting here talking. Uh, about, you know, is this a foul? Is this not a foul? And no one really understands the rules. And they should be able to put it out at least by now, right? Even if they don't do it right after the game, right? I, I get it. Maybe they screwed it up. They're still trying to figure things out, whether they screwed it up or not. And, and we could see an apology to John Shire tomorrow from the ACC. Who knows? But even if it takes a little while, they should be able to put out a statement as early as possible. This was the rule whatever it was, rule 16-4-5, I don't care what it is, here's the rule, here's how it reads, so everybody understands it. That's one of my biggest problems. All right, getting getting to Duke now, Duke, Virginia. I think Virginia has slid under the radar for probably most of the season, to be honest. Uh, you know, it's because they're not a sexy team to watch. Their upside isn't overly uh, high, their ceiling, but I, I think – I think, again, Virginia's still got a chance because they're older. Tony Bennett's had this group for a year now for the most part. Um, I think they've got a chance. Duke, when I saw him beat Carolina last week in person, I was saying to myself, all right, if they get that Derek Lively again and they bring back Derek Whitehead and he picks up where he left off, maybe, maybe, and then Lively comes out and plays a game like he did today. And I'm like, man, like just when I was starting to feel like maybe I could trust this Duke team. But they did, Kevin. They played Virginia in Charlottesville 
to overtime, and they probably should have won the game in regulation. 100%. And look, I, I think this is a very gritty Duke, Duke team. Like, they are tough. They're willing to play a game in the 60s, right? They don't need to flap it down the floor to win the game. But, you know, I, I look at this, and, and yes, it's easy to, to blame, you know, one call at the end that, that could have won the game. And it is as much of a call as you could say that, you know, changed the game as you could possibly imagine. But, I mean, Duke turned it over 22 times today. And they turned it over 21 times against Miami earlier this week, right? Like, especially now that you have Jeremy Roach back, your veteran point guard, that can't happen. They need to value possessions more, especially because, look, this is not the best three-point shooting team. This is a team that relies on getting extra shots off offensive rebounds. Um, so if you're going to give away a bunch of possessions that you're getting back with those offensive boards, just throwing it to the other team, it's going to be really, really tough. And part of that's just youth, right? I mean, they, they do have you know several freshmen in this rotation. Proctor has the ball in his hands a ton for a guy who could still be in high school. Um, but they just have to value the basketball more. Otherwise, their only way to win is in you know defensive grinders like this. And to, to win those games, they need Lively to really protect the rim. All right, Tyler Hansborough, what do you think of blue, uh, of the Blue Devils here? Like, objective. Try to be objective here. No, I'll be objective. And to be honest with you, I thought Duke would be much better. And I think it's – they've been dealing with some injuries. Uh, Jeremy Roach hasn't been healthy all year and seems like he still has a lingering toe issue or whatever he's going through. Uh, they have young players. Filipowski didn't play well today. Uh, just like any freshman, he's going to have off nights early on in the season. He was playing really well. And I thought he was one of the, you know, one of the best players in the country actually, uh, with this skill. So he's, he's been struggling a little bit. And, you know, I think that, uh, when you have somebody that's got a little bit of experience, that's dealing with some injuries and really they haven't had the leader. And I think Jeremy, Jeremy Roach, I expected him to be a really good player this year. I thought the way he came on at the end of the year last year, I thought he was going to be really explosive for Duke this year. Uh, so if they get everybody healthy and clicking, they get some leadership uh, from the older guys. I think this is going to be a tough team. I hate to say that, but I think they're better than what people actually think. They don't have a star but they got a bunch of good players is what it comes down to. Like Sweeney said, like they got to, they got to tough it out and they, they can do that. They can do that. They're not soft. Um, you guys think Filipowski, I was sitting with my wife at the, the Duke Carolina game and a guy asked me behind me about Filipowski and NBA potential. And he said like, how, how could we be talking about Lively as a top 10 pick and, and Filipowski's not even on the board basically in the first round. I said, no, 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 I think they've come a lot closer now. I think now you're probably talking Lively mid-first round and Filipowski as a, as a locked first rounder. What do you think when you watch Filipowski, Tyler, you played in the NBA for a while. Obviously, the NBA has changed lately. Mm -hmm. um, what, do, what do you think of his chances to, to – what type of player do you think he'll be in the NBA? There's a uh, old school uh, old school player, Okor for uh, Utah, who was a shooter, big, uh, could step it outside. I think kind of similar, but I think the way the game has kind of transitioned to more skill and uh, fundamentals and outside. I think Filipowski. I think it's kind of helped him as the NBA's. Uh, when I came out, it was more focused on you know athleticism, and you know you have these you know. Giannis would be a great example, uh, somebody who's extremely athletic, big, and can dominate the game with his size, but necessarily not the most skilled person in the world. But now the NBA is looking more for the skills. So I think that does help him because he does have decent size and he has a good skill set. 
so I think he could be like a stretch uh, four. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, let's let's talk about the biggest game of the day. I think it was the biggest game. I mean, game day went there, so it's hard to question that going in. You know, I, I was not, and I haven't been bought into Auburn all year because really their their three best wins now are Arkansas at home, and we saw this Arkansas team; they're just okay. Uh, Northwestern, Sweeney, your alma mater on a neutral court. If that's your second best win of the year, that's not overly impressive. No offense to your 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 Northwestern. None taken. None taken. Uh, Alabama goes into the jungle, though, and beats Auburn. Even though, again, this Auburn team isn't overwhelming, Wendell Green played pretty well, and it's a young group and a new group for Alabama. Obviously, they won a ton of games. They were 21-3 and coming into the, the, the day and 11-0 and in, in SEC play. They're reeling uh, or rolling. But, you know, again, when you go in and you play your rival, Tyler, you know this, you never know what can happen when you play at your right, no matter how good or bad, like NC state was, you go over there, you don't know what can happen. Right. Mm-hmm. So what's how, how important a win was this for this Alabama team with three freshmen, well, four freshmen, really four freshmen who play minutes to go in there and get this win the way they did. It was huge. Uh, you know, first of all, owning a rival is a big thing. Uh, and also uh, for freshmen who, you know, aren't used to this type of environment, uh, you know, at Auburn, Auburn's really good at home as well. And so for them to go in, it it does kind of make a statement because I've believed in Alabama from when they played Carolina. And I thought that they have size athleticism. Like I said, their bigs are really good. Uh, Brandon Miller can light it up. He can be a go-to guy, Uh, but those athletic bigs that they have, they can guard, you know, any big in the country and lock them down and create problems at the basket. So uh, for me, I think Alabama is a true contender uh, final four team and have a shot to win it all when, you know, at the end of the year, that's, that's what I think. Yeah. I mean, look, the narrative with Alabama is, Oh, you know, they're going to play fast. They're going to shoot a ton of threes. And that's true, but they shot six of 21 from three today. Brandon Miller was 0 for seven and they still went on the road they dominate the rim. I mean, they shot 82% on twos today. Auburn shot 34% on twos. Like they've, they've got such great size, physicality, and athleticism that, you know, they have so many more ways to beat you than I think people realize. And, you know, the depth that they have to get, you know, 16 off the bench from Ryland Griffin, who continues to emerge. He's now had double figures in four of his last five games. Just like a low maintenance shooter. They can stick in a corner and help, help with the spacing. Like, they, they just keep bringing quality bodies off their bench. Um, their size is imposing around the basket, uh, particularly with, with Betty Ako and, and Clowney and their ability to defend in ball screens. Like they have, to me, the most talented team in the country, the way that they're playing right the now. The highest upside, right? The yeah, highest 100%, upside. 100%. Because they got all these freshmen that still, they're really good, but they're still going up where you look at, I mean, Purdue does too. They got two freshmen that are obviously getting better, but you know, you look at Clowney's upside and break, if they're all clicking, nobody can beat Alabama. I just, I just think about the Houston game when Brandon Miller didn't make a field goal and they won on the road at, at one of the three or four best teams in the country. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, that the only thing you worry about with them is if in the NCAA tournament, they have that, that shooting stinker which they're, they're capable of doing. 
and, and shooting three at 22 from three. Can they win a war like that? Can they win a grinder like that and really lock in defensively and win a game in the in the 60s in the tournament? I think they're more prepared to do it than they were two years ago. Like, I, I think they're a little bit bigger, a little bit more athletic. They're a little bit better at the rim. Um, I think they have a few more ways to beat you in that team. Herb Jones was so important to that defense. He was great, but he was kind of single-handedly making this team an elite defense. They're really good at every spot defensively right now. No doubt. And one of the players who's been great for them, Ohio transfer Mark Sears, who joins us now on After Dark. All right, now pleased to be joined by none other than Alabama guard Mark Sears coming off a huge win against rival Al uh, Auburn. And uh, so, Mark, what, what was this one like? I mean, you, you've been in Alabama now. You guys are 22-3. You're undefeated in SEC play. But I'm guessing you hadn't gotten into an environment like this before. What was it like in the jungle? Well, it was, it was very different. And everything they said about it was really true. The fans are really great. They're like a home court advantage in this What What's this ride been like for you this year? You transfer two years at Ohio. Uh, I, I know it was not an easy decision for you to leave Ohio, right? I mean, you, you kind of planned on staying. You and Ben – potentially coming back you both decide to leave and you're both in pretty good spots he's thriving at virginia you're thriving at, at alabama what was that decision like for you and and now looking back on it uh the choice to go to alabama uh what was that like uh, it was a uh, it was really a hard decision because uh, i like everything at ohio but uh i just wanted to be in a, a bigger stage in a bigger environment i felt like that coming to alabama that's with Coach Oldfield and the way that he plays. I feel like that's the best decision for me. Did you have any idea you guys would be this good? I know everybody says it. You know, going into the season, hey, we're going to be really good. We're going to win the league. This, that, and the other. And you had some talented freshmen. You could see it. I mean, Brandon, obviously, ultra-talented. Clowney. Jaden, I heard, wasn't great early, but has has gotten there. Uh, obviously, Griffin's come on lately as well. Did you have any idea it was going to be this good? I, I, I would be lying to you if I said it was. And they're very talented freshmen. They don't play like freshmen. Yeah, it's, been a, it's been a great ride. So. What What has impressed you the most about Brandon Miller? Uh, he's, he's not selfish. You know, he's, he's so unselfish. He, made, he always makes the right plays when he has the ball. And he can score when he wants to, really. So, he's a very special player. The thing I, I was impressed with the most seeing you guys in Portland was your chemistry. Um, and, and Coach Oates reiterated that to me. And you've seen it even more since Portland, you know, with JQ coming off the bench and almost saying at times when you're doing well in there or when somebody else is doing well, and Nate wants to put him in. JQ says, "No, no, no, leave those guys in. They're cooking." What, what's what's the togetherness factor like on this group right now? Uh, we we love our brothers, and we, we want each we want everybody to succeed, no matter if you're not or not. We just we want what's best for our brother. All right. So, what's with this fur coat that you always wear? We said, "Oh, the fur coat." <laughs> Man, you just, just want to stay warm, you know. And stay cozy and just listen to all. 
Dude, you went from Ohio to Alabama. You don't need a fur coat. Yeah, I'm from Alabama, but man, that weather up there in Ohio just it got me shook. And I, I was not used to that. All right. Well, listen, hey, congrats on, on another win. Uh, keep it rolling. Obviously, you got a number one seed on the line. You got the SEC regular season title on the line. I assume the biggest picture for you now, and I don't know when when you started really thinking about this for real, but is Final Four a national title? Do you remember the first moment you thought about like, hey, you know what? We we might actually be able to hang a banner here this year. Yeah, I felt you know when the uh, when the season got going on, and we started taking back to back number one teams down and started to get real and we started to believe that we can also do that we can make history all right well listen uh hopefully i'll see you in houston congrats on the win and uh talk to you soon mark sears thank you Awesome, guys. We got a minute 40. Uh, three, oh, two. All right. Let's go. Um, let me go back and look, see what we got. Um, well, obviously, we, we talked about Duke, Duke, Virginia. I'm looking back here. I'll give you guys one quick. What are your thoughts on Virginia? Are they the best team in the? Uh, are they the best team in the ACC? Go ahead. One of you guys take that one. Yeah, I, I think they are. I just think they're they're the most solid, the most complete, the most consistent night tonight. Tyler, for me, I think they're well coached. Uh, Tony Bennett does a really good job, and so you can't make many mistakes. Uh, but if if I'm looking at it, I think uh, Miami is playing really well right now, even though uh, they – I thought they would have destroyed Louisville tonight, but they uh, they kind of barely got past him. But I think Miami's playing really well uh, right now, so I would have to say Miami, to me, is the best team in the ACC. I think you're nuts because if you look back at, at Tony Bennett's uh, track record in the ACC regular season, he owns Roy, he owned Kay, yeah. he owned everybody. It was insane yeah. the last, like, nine years. We can't win there, yeah. yeah He's done unbelievable. How much time we got? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome back. Field of 68's After Dark. I'm Jeff Goodman, joined by Tyler Hansborough, Kevin Sweeney. Make sure you go to fieldof68.shop for all our merch. We've got some good Carolina stuff in there, Tyler. we got to get it to you. Sweeney, we, we don't have Northwestern stuff in there yet, but we're, we might need something for Chris Collins the way they've been playing. Uh, also, we do a bracketology show every Monday and Friday. We are the only ones on the planet that do this show. Every Monday and Friday at 5 o'clock Eastern, we've got four bracketologists, the best in the business. we got great hosts, uh, the guys from Three Man Weave, and uh, an hour show. I think it's an hour. Uh, if not, it we'll, we'll extend it to an hour. Uh, every uh, Monday and Friday where we release our brackets, and it'll even get more than that as we get closer to the NCAA tournament. All right, let's talk about the two bubble blue bloods. I know Tyler's been waiting for this all night. You know, Alabama, all right, like he's okay with Alabama, but he wants to talk about Kentucky and Carolina here. Um, it worked out well that that he was on the show tonight, but we'll start with, with, with Kentucky, Tyler, um, which is kind of your nemesis these days, the, the, the Cat fans, and I know where you stand with that because I've been there before. Uh, Kentucky loses at Georgia today, 75-68 in a kind of a must-win game. I mean, they're right on the bubble. Just like Carolina, we had them as an 11 seed in our bracketology. And they lose to this, this Bulldogs team that has lost six of its last seven, 129 in the net. They were four and seven in SEC play coming into the the the, the day. And and Kentucky, I know they're down a couple of dudes. They are. They're down two guards um, in in uh, uh, Severe Wheeler and uh, who else? Would they? Frederick. Frederick. And Frederick today so they're down two guards but honestly you still got to beat Georgia in Athens here don't you no question listen Kentucky cannot afford to lose uh to many teams and especially to a struggling team like Georgia and there's no excuse I know they're they were down Frederick and Wheeler uh but their defense has been bad as well and I've come on here and I've talked about I think they have lack of shooting uh, Big Blue Nation came at me and they they threw the analytics at me. I still don't think they can shoot. Um, and that's and that's that's just from the eye test. That comes from years of watching basketball and understanding why they pack the paint. They're they're returning the best player in college basketball, apparently, in Toshibwe. And it's no offense to Oscar because I, I think he's a really good player. I just I'm bad at pronouncing names. Uh, but this is no T. Just Shibwe. Uh, Shibwe, all right. Uh, no, no, no to Shibwe. Just Shibwe. Shibwe. There you go. All right. You got it. You got I, it. We'll, we'll work with that one. But <laughs> <laughs> we got you with Zach Eady. Hey, we got Zach hey, Eady. You're, hey, I fixed that for me. Yeah. Right that away. one uh, worked out. But no, I think this one falls on Cal. And uh, you got to have your team prepared to play uh, at Georgia. And especially for a team trying to make a case for a tournament. Uh, it's unacceptable to lose a game like this uh, when you're really fighting for uh, to get into the tournament. And it's it's kind of crazy to think about uh, that Kentucky 
I don't know, you know, somebody could go uh, a whole like four years in college in Kentucky, not win a tournament game, not see them win. And see how many until, days? Yeah. Yeah. Freshman 115 days. And, and yeah. if they don't think about it, if they don't get in the tournament this year, you're going to talk more than 1800 days for Big Blue Nation to celebrate one NCAA tournament win. That's insane. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where to go. I don't know really. I mean, I've pointed out their flaws, but uh, to me, I, I would say a lot of this foul, uh, falls right on Cal. Sweeney. I think. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, like, I think at the end of the day, when you have older guys too, like Reeves and Shibway and um, Toppin, like those, those guys have been around college basketball. Like, you know, you're down shooters, you know, you're down guards okay, we got to bring it on defense. we got to lunch pail this thing to a victory. And they just didn't come out with a sense of urgency, right? And and, and Cal comes in postgame and says, you know, I don't think our guys had a will to win. And and look, like, I think part of that's maybe Cal struggling to get through to these guys. But also, like, as as players, like, it, it shouldn't take that. Like, you shouldn't need to be reminded. Like, you're at Kentucky. It's February. It's the SEC. Regardless of whether you're on the bubble, you should be ready to go. The fact you're on the bubble only adds to that. And so I just think, like, mm -hmm. at some point, these guys need to understand that the way they're going to win this year is by defending a whole lot better than they have. They're, they're, they are a flawed offensive team. They just don't have a lot of shot making. You know, I, I wanted to see more assertiveness from Case and Wallace today. He just, you know, he told only eight shots. He got he kind of phased right in and out of the game. Yeah. He's got to be more aggressive. But this is not a team that I think is going to beat people by scoring 80 points a night. Like, th that's just not how they're built. They need to be tougher than you, more physical than you, dominate the glass against you. And they let Georgia take the fight to them today. And that was really disappointing. That was a really disappointing effort for Kentucky. I'm worried now because I thought they'd win this game. I really did. I thought they'd win this one. And, and I was thinking, all right, they win this one. They'll get you know Tennessee at home. They already got them on the road. And then they'll be in. They'll be in the tournament. And you know, even if they're, they're an 11 seed, 10 seed, whatever it is, at least if they're in, they could win a game or two in, in the NCAA tournament. Now I look at it completely different because they're out now. They have to beat Tennessee. They have to go on a little bit of a run here. And, again, if you've got a banged-up C.J. Frederick and Sevier Wheeler hasn't played, if those guys couldn't play today in a must-win game, Wheeler played at Georgia. That's where he played before. To me, if he was able to get out there, either one of those guys – this is kind of your season. So now I'm concerned that maybe they can't get there. And if they don't get to the tournament, you've got two years ago, you were terrible. Last year, you lose to St. Peter's. This year, you don't get to the tournament. I wrote a column a couple of weeks ago saying, you know what? I think it's time. I just think it's time for both sides. Because as Cal said years ago, there's kind of a, a you know, a, a limit on an expiration date almost on, on coaching in Lexington. It wears you out. I feel like it's time for both parties to move on. I don't know if they can come to some agreement mutually because there's 40 million that, that Kentucky might have to pay him. Well, they're not because there's an offset. So somebody's going to hire him. Kentucky's not going to be on the hook for 40 million. They might be on the hook for 20. They might, but ultimately I just think both sides could agree that, Hey, you know what? This thing has run its course. Let's move on. All right. The big question I'm going to hit both of you with, and Tyler, I'm not sure you have an answer for this one. Sweeney, I hope you do. If you if you make a move, well, first of all, do you think I'm right or do you think I'm nuts here for thinking that it's time? 
for Cal? I don't think you're nuts. I, I think I think he could fix this, right? I think there's no doubt he could get this right um, next year. I, I, I think there are very few guys who are more cut out for this with, job with than Sweeney, Cal is. With the number one recruiting class, it's all young dudes. They're not going to win this a, thing with a bunch of freshmen. And it's a terrible 2023 recruiting hey, class. That too. 100%. I, I think you're right that it's run its course. But I do think there are very few, and you've, you've tweeted about this with Chris Holtman at Ohio State, like, be careful what you wish for, yes. right? Because I know yes. it's a great program. I know they're everything, but like – You can get with, bullied by Gillespie. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And, and look, Kentucky's dysfunctional, you know, top down, athletic department down. You know, there, there's been criticism of the, of the AD, his relationship with Cal. Like, I just think there's a lot here beyond that goes beyond Cal. So I, I don't think it's just him. I think obviously you'd have to make a, a dynamite hire. And I'll, I'll say this. If you're going to make a move, you better be ready with a name – that is a guarantee to win. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I agree with that. I agree with that, and I'm not sure who that is. You know, right. Scott Drew comes to mind for me. But if if you hire Scott Drew, and I think he's a hell of a coach, and Mr. Positivity, but, man, if he doesn't win there, they could eat him up for dinner. So I would worry about that title. To me, um, it kind of comes with the territory. Listen, if you don't win at Kentucky – you're going to take criticism. I don't care who it is. Uh, to me, I don't have really have a guy. I don't think there's an up-and-coming guy that comes to mind. There's a there's an old-school coach that's done pretty well at Kentucky, Rick Pitino. Uh, maybe they come in for a year or two, uh, you know, fix the issues and, you know, see what happens. Maybe Cal and Rick could work together and do a kumbaya thing because Cal can recruit and Rick can really coach. Imagine those two co-coaches. Cal and Patino, who hated each other forever, come together and finish their careers winning titles. The documentary about that would be outstanding. I'm just going to put it. It really would. It would be unbelievable. All right. Let's get to Carolina now. Let's get to Carolina so we can have Tyler smiling a little bit. Because so far, he's been smiling just at the the struggles (laughs) of the Kentucky Wildcats. All right. Carolina, in a game that both teams really needed, beats Clemson and beats them handily. By 20 uh, in Chapel Hill, you know, we were wondering what the hell's wrong with this team and rightfully so. And then a bunch of uh, stuff hits the uh, hits the social media hemisphere that I think was complete bullshit, first of all. And I'm not going to expand on it. All I'm going to say is bullshit for people to put out rumors about kids like they did. Uh, Anyway, Caleb Love answers the critics and has arguably his best game of the season. An efficient 23 points, five assists, just one turnover. Baycott was great, another double-double. RJ was really good. They only they only turned it over, I think, seven or eight times uh, today. They took care of the ball. Tyler, are, are you – when you watch this game today, are you thinking to yourself, all right, why can't they do this every game? Not to me. And the reason I say that, I've, I've maintained my stance, hey, they're pretty good at home. Uh, I know they lost to Pitt. Uh, that was, you know, Pitt's a better team than what most people think. I, I think Pitt's playing pretty well. Uh, that's not an excuse, but I think majority of games we play at home, I think we play well. But today, what sticks out to my mind, the guys were high-fiving, they are having fun, and it looked like they enjoyed yeah. playing with each other. And that's very important because their demeanor, uh, you know, the past few games where they've – you know, face some adversity. Has it been great? It's been awful. And also 
I've, I've said this before and I've maintained this stance. When they get a, a high assist number as a team, I think they win a majority of those games. I think when they take care of the ball and they share it, they're a tough team, and I think they can hang with anybody. Uh, they also, uh, to me, we've said Alabama's one of the best teams in the country, contender. They took them to three or four overtimes earlier in the year when people didn't realize how good Alabama was. Uh, so, yeah, we've been through uh, we've been through some stuff. We've, you know, just snapped a three-game losing streak, which isn't uh, what you want. But it's good to see the kids enjoying basketball again and actually – uh, high five and showing some. That's you know, what I told Hubert. I, I literally told Hubert that coming off the court after he did his press conference at Cameron. I said, I'm like, I miss that. I think I even asked him that in the press conference. I was like, that's what we fell in love with, with this team last year, right? They looked like they were having a blast and they came out of nowhere and, and, and appreciated it. And we're, that was the thing, Sweeney, like this team reverted back in a lot of ways to that team. The first three and a half months of a year ago. Yeah. And look, I, I don't want to anoint them as being back today. Right. I think <laughs> I said it best. Like they they've done their work at home. This hasn't been a problem, um, but this is a team that's comfortable with the back against the wall. Like we know they're good in these spots. We know they're not afraid of that. I think in some ways they're probably better when, when the whole world thinks they stink. <laughs> I, guess. Like I, I, I think, I think that fuels a guy like Caleb Love. I think that fuels a guy like Baycott. I mean, we, we saw it at the Final Four of Jeff. I mean, that, that Baycott loves this stuff. I yes. mean, he lives for it. So I think that's a lot of it. I, I also think just kind of basketball-wise, like I thought it was notable that they kept Pete Nance to 19 minutes today. I know he struggled, but yep. you know, to see more puff on the floor potentially, get a guy who they trust shooting the basketball. He's just Pete's been such a slump. I'm a huge believer in Pete Nance as a player. Um, but he's just really struggled lately. And I think if they can get a guy who can just space the floor for everybody else, I think that will help them put up offensive performances to that, like today, which was really, really impressive. You know, 1.3 points per possession, 90 points on a, on a good Clemson team. Well, the big thing to me, the other thing is, think about this, uh, RJ and Caleb, they were shooting 31% from three coming into the yep. year. Today, Caleb was six for nine. RJ was four for 10. Uh, the team shot 46% from, from beyond the arc, and they are horrible as a team shooting the three. I think they're 320th of I don't even know how many teams there are right now. Sweetie, what are we up to? 363. 363. They're 320 of 363 coming into the game. So, yeah, listen, I'm I'm not ready to say they're back either, but you know what they did? They won a game they had to win today, and obviously um, Kentucky wasn't able to do that. When we come back, feel the 68s after dark. We'll talk about who we are most concerned with of the four top 12 teams that lost today to unranked teams. How's it guys? I got a minute 40. Perfect. We're going to keep it in the ACC with our first chat question here. Can, uh, can Capel win ACC coach of the year? Or is he the favorite at, the, at this, at this moment? I would say so. There's a few, right? Like, like Capel's got to be in there. Keats has got to be in the mix. But I would say Capel. I mean, they were picked. They were dead. I mean, like nobody thought they'd do anything this year. And uh, especially when you're your star freshman or your most talented freshman and your best player, who you thought, Hughley, like and Dior Johnson, neither one have played. They haven't done anything. Like it's an amazing job that Capel's done out of nowhere. No, they they got the right right transfers in there. Burton and and Henson are awesome. 
I would also, yeah, you know, Brownell has to be in the mix, right? I mean, they know they've struggled lately, but I don't know if they're going to hold on. I agree. I agree. I think it's going downhill. But if you did it today, I think you'd have to give Brownell a real, real shout for it. Yeah, all three of those guys have saved their jobs. As of today, I think all three of those guys probably have saved their jobs. But Capel is the most surprising, I think, yeah. 30 guesses. because of everything that's also happened to, to them. Agreed. Well, I agree with that. We'll drop but another then, quick one since we only have uh, a couple seconds here. Uh, what is, uh, is Indiana the second best team in the Big Ten? Andy wants to know that quickly. Yes. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt right now. And then if they get Xavier Johnson back, and second spells, you know, I, yeah, I think they're I almost. Close. I almost worry the chemistry gets screwed up if you bring XJ back. Yeah, be interesting. Probably happen in a week or so. All right, welcome back, Field of sixty-eight. I'm Jeff Goodman. We're here in After Dark. Kevin Sweeney, Tyler Hansborough here. Uh, make sure again we're presented by Bet Rivers. Make sure you listen to us on the uh, Sirius XM channel 84. We're on YouTube. We're on Twitter. Stick around for the chat. Uh, after, we, we do the afters where you can jump in and ask questions at midnight. Also, make sure you subscribe to the daily. Feel the 68's daily. Came out with something new today. Premium content for $9.99. Exclusive premium content, including ncaa tournament primer so you're going to want to get that um we got everything i mean honestly everything bracketology show we got the daily we got the field of 68 shop uh you name it we got it and we got a great show here for you obviously uh four top 12 teams went down today all two unranked teams not that much of a surprise these days because I, I feel like we see it every saturday but I'll run through the four, and I want to know which one you guys are most surprised at and which team you're you're most worried about. Arizona, they were the last one to go down. They lose at Stanford. Um, Tennessee loses at home to Missouri. Kansas State loses in Lubbock to Texas Tech, a, a Texas Tech team that has two league wins all year. Iowa State loses in Hilton to Oklahoma State, a surprising one. Those are four Fairly surprising results, to be honest. If you had said any of those, I'd probably be surprised by all of them. Sweeney, which one worries you the most? I think Tennessee because of the trend, right? It's now three or four that they've lost, and they haven't lost to great teams either, right? They lost to, to Florida, who is not in the NCAA tournament as of today. They lost to Vanderbilt, who's you know on a little bit of a hot streak, but still not a very good basketball team. Uh, and then they lost on their home court to Mizzou and got torched, right? The whole the whole sales pitch with, with this Tennessee team was, well, you know, the offense is come and go, but, man, they are good defensively. They got 86 points. They got, you know, they, and sure, some of that shooting, right? Mizzou shot 14 of 26 from three. That doesn't happen every day. But at the same time, like, I, I, I it, this is a concerning trend with the Tennessee team that I think th- until February 1st was one of the three best teams in the country. Maybe they didn't have one of the three best chances to I make so it, to win the tournament. I'm going to push so... back on that. I'm going to push back. They beat okay. Kansas, but they beat a bunch of crappy teams by a lot of points. So the numbers, the all everybody, the analytics darlings love Tennessee. 
because they're beating the shit out of teams. How many how many teams have a package of wins like neutral Kansas and and home Texas? That's a heck of a double of wins. It is. It is. It is. I, and I'm one of those both by not. double figures. Yeah. I mean, again, I just felt like they weren't in that exclusive group that people were putting them in because their analytics were so good because they were beating teams by 20, 30 points. That's all I'll say is people were putting them in a different category they should have than they should have been in. That's fair. You know, I think they were in that next tier. Like people were trying to put them in that elite tier. And I'm like, there's no way they can't score. They don't have a dude that can just break you down and go get you one. Tyler, what do you out of those four games, is there a team that 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 worries you that that that's just gonna, you know, fall off or you know, it Sweeney said Tennessee. I was actually surprised at that. I agree with Sweeney. And the reason I say that is because of the trend. And if you lose to, you know, you know, two, I mean, two of these three uh, losses have been at home. And that's, you know, that's, that's tough to make, uh, make sense of, especially for the expectations that Tennessee has and the labels that people have given them. Uh, and they did, by the way, have somebody step up. I think key went off the nighter, uh, the one kid. Uh, but to me, uh, when I watched the game, um, at that, you know, that buzzer beater, you got to be up and pressuring that kid. It was just like they expected time to expire. And to me, that's a losing play. And winning teams get up there and they guard and make it and make a tough shot. And I don't think they lose today. Uh, now, Missouri's been hot and cold as well. I mean, they've they've had some pretty good wins and, you know, they've been up and down. But you and I were wrong. Hey, I think you and I can both admit we were wrong on Missouri. I, I agree with that. Yeah. And I think a lot of that came from uh, their fan base kind of coming at me a little bit. So I tried to make sense of me too. Uh, me too. Why they're losing a little I'm bit. I'm right there with you with them. But, but I didn't Dennis Gates has done a good job. Yeah. yeah. He, Dennis Gates has done a really good job, and those players have done a great job of grinding stuff out this year. This was a big win for them because their numbers weren't great. Everybody yeah. had them in the field. It's like probably a nine. But if they went on a bad stretch at the end of the year here, they could have been like bubble or maybe first four because, again, their net, not great. A lot of their analytics are not great. The one I'm worried about the most, guys, to me, and it's no surprise, is Iowa State. I just don't – you know, they can't score. They just can't score. Tennessee can't score either. But I think Tennessee's got more still potential, if that makes sense, to be able to score. You know, like I'm not a – like, I love Zakai Ziegler, but I hate – we've talked about this. Like, small guards, I don't love small, small guards unless they have the the speed of, of one Ty Lawson. And there aren't many that have the speed of Ty Lawson, as Tyler knows. Mm-hmm. Tyler, how, how many easy buckets did you get from Ty Lawson running the court? Many. It's not many people. I mean, we used to – we had a play just kind of get out of his way, uh, set a screen for him at half court and just kind of let him use his speed. Uh, but when you have a guard like that, it opens up a lot of things. So Iowa State just – I just don't know if they can if they can sustain and they're going to find the magic again like they did last year in the NCAA tournament, right? Like they're older, and I think that gave them a good start to the season as well. They were a new team, but you had a bunch of older dudes who weren't getting big NIL, who were focused on the right things, who came from pretty good programs culture-wise, all that. So they, they got off to a good start. You know they were five and one in 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 the league. Now they're seven and five. 
They've lost four of their last five. I, I just worry they're going to hold on for their lives, and they'll be fine. They're going to get in. Uh, but now you're talking about playing a tough first-round opponent and maybe bowing out probably in the first round. So they're the ones. I'm not worried about Arizona at all. You know, Tubelis was awful. He was in foul trouble all game. Um, I think he played like 15 minutes, and I don't know if he had a rebound tonight. He was that bad. Uh, but, you know, everybody's entitled to one. And, and Stanford, obviously, they were making every shot, too. They're making every three. So I'm not, I'm not really concerned about them. Are you guys worried about Kansas State? That's the one that I'm kind of torn on right now because Keontae wasn't great tonight. Noel's been good, but not elite like he was for a stretch. And they lose in Lubbock to a Texas Tech team that, you know, frankly, that they're not very good. I mean, I, I would say that I think people got too excited about Kansas State. Like, this was never really a top 10 team. They have two amazing players. They can win any game because of those two guys. But you look realistically at what they have. I don't think they should have ever been in that conversation. The analytics never really said they should have been either. They were more, they, they were still in the twenties really for the entirety of the year. So to me, I think water's really just finding its level with this group to me. Like, I, I think they're like a four or a five seed type of team. And that would be a hell of a year. Unbelievable. I mean, I mean that's be. national coach of the year. That's national yeah. coach of the year totally. for, for what Tang's done. But yeah, when mean, you look at the roster outside of Noel and, and John, it's limited. And I think that's what you're feeling. Yeah. Arizona, you worried at all? Only only concerned a little bit about the defense, which was really bad today. They had been great. They'd actually, per T-Rank, I know we've got our pull-out your Torvik shirts. You can go buy them. Um, so in their winning streak since mid-January, Arizona had the second-best defense in the country. Today they get torched by Stanford. Is it a one-off? Let's watch it. Let's watch. Because the defense was really bad for the first couple months. They finally locked in on that end of the floor. Today, I just don't think the effort was there on that end. I just so worry, and Tyler, you, you'd be good to ask this question too. They have two bigs that aren't the most uh, capable of guarding on the perimeter or guarding on switches, right? They're just not. And last year they had Coloco, who I don't know if you remember, but he was a big athletic. He's in the NBA right now. He can guard anybody. He can switch on anybody. Didn't mm -hmm. matter. Right now with Balo and Tubelis, I love them both. Balo's come down to earth a little bit. Tubelis has maintained it and even been better offensively. But I just worry in this day and age, like, can those guys, are they going to be good enough defensively in the tournament? Absolutely. And I, I think for me, it's also an advantage on the other end. You can beat people up. Uh, you can take Better. advantage of them inside. You can out-rebound them. Uh, I think it also gives you uh, some advantage, just what viewpoint are you looking at it uh, from. And to me, teams can go cold in the tournament. And uh, shots, you know, nerves play a big factor, new rims. Uh, it's a neutral court, and so you put a lot of pressure on yourself. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not worried about Arizona, actually. Uh, I like the two bigs, and I think they uh, bring a lot to the table. So I wouldn't uh, put too much thought into that. A team that we were worried about maybe six weeks ago, we'll tell you next why they have a chance to cut down the nets or at least go to the Final Four. Field of 68 after dark next. Awesome. Guys got a minute 40 and I'll hit that back time at 5750. 5750. Are you going to you're going to text me? Yeah, I have to text you cuz it's going to go all over the air. So I'll give you like a 30, 20. Yeah. Perfect. All right. I'll be looking at my phone for that one. All right, Dagan, what do we got? Uh, here's here's an interesting one from Matthew. 
I don't know how many of you guys have seen this, but that Portland State buzzer beater today, full court pass, fade away. Yeah. Where do you think that ranks in terms of all time buzzer beaters? It was insane. I mean, I don't know if it's like all time because it's Portland State, so it's hard to put it too high. But in terms of just what occurred and the difficulty of the shot, it's got to be up there with the best it's, of them. Yeah, it's 99.9 percentile degree of difficulty. Like right. you couldn't even like. I, I still don't know how he got it on the rim in like one motion. It's insane. Insanity. What they have? Point four. Point four. Yeah. Point four. Tyler, did you see the shot or no? I'm watching it right now. It's Good it's out of control. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, that's unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. I've never seen anything like that. No. Because uh-uh. like the angle, how quickly he got it out in one motion, just where he caught it, all of it. It was that no, wow. was amazing, amazing shot. Anything uh, else quick? Yeah, yeah, quick. Uh, Big East Rookie of the Year from Jacob wants to know. We always got to get a little bit of Big East in here in the chat. Ooh. Boy, how many Big East rookies are there? He gives Caravan, yeah, I, Whitmore. Yeah, I, I boy. I would have given it Caravan early. Like, All right, welcome back. Field of 68 after dark. Jeff Goodman here with Tyler Hansborough with Kevin Sweeney. We got about 10 minutes left and then we hit the afters. So make sure you stick around. Hit us in the YouTube chat. Any questions? Plenty of people right there arguing if you want to jump in now. Plenty of uh, plenty of viewers I know getting after it uh, in the chat. All right. So Creighton, another big win. They've now won eight straight. They held UConn to 53 points tonight, and they kind of avenged the loss to UConn, uh, I don't know, a month or so ago. I had Creighton as a top-five team in the preseason at the beginning of the year, and everybody called me crazy. And now I'm feeling pretty good about it because I really think they're they're going to peak at the right time. I love their five dudes that start. They're all veterans. They played together a while. Uh, Shireman is, is the one guy who's come in as a – uh, Baylor Shireman is a, a transfer from uh, the Summit League, but he can shoot it. Am I crazy to think that, Sweeney, this team can make a Final Four run and get there to Houston? I don't think you're crazy. I, I think they I think they have all the makings, right? And I think the one thing that people would question is depth. But I think we've seen more recently. I mean, even look at Carolina last year. Like, you can kind of roll with that iron five. Like, these guys are carrying big minutes loads. They've been fine. Kalkbrenner is great at eating up minutes. It's not it's not an issue for him to stay on the floor. That's the thing you really worry about is bigs. And I think they have a solid backup in Fred King. Um, he can at least eat a few minutes. But, I mean, I, I, I tell you what, I was looking at the uh, the advanced numbers the other day. Uh, I haven't They haven't updated since uh, this morning's game, so I'd have to look again. But coming into today, Creighton is 30 points per 100 possessions better when Ryan Kalkbrenner's on the floor than when he's off. He's no the surprise. most important player in the country. And, and so when everyone wrote the obituary about Creighton and said they stink and, and they're they're a bust when he was on, on the bench, that just was never reality. He had to get back. Once he's gotten back, they've been as good as anyone in the country. Got a nice, really gritty win today against a good UConn team that I think is starting to figure it out. I, I think they have all the makings. They have guard play, who can, guys who can go make shots. They're unselfish. They have multiple guys who can create. I love having a guy like Shireman who can pass out of the you know elbows and, and and out top and handle the ball as a four man. They're a very, very fun team to watch. And I think a team with 
with legit Final Four potential. Tyler? Yeah, I'm with you. I think when uh, Kalkbrenner came back, uh, it really changed the game for them. We had McDermott on here last time, and he talked the importance of him and coming back and the effect that he's had. And uh, they've really got on a streak and uh, starting to come around to the team that we all thought they would be uh, before the season started. Yeah, and he also kind of minimized, because I asked him about the lack of bench, too, and and he kind of minimized it a little bit and said, like, they're you know, they're playing. And I forget who said it, but somebody made a great point to me recently, and they said, you know, those those games that Culp Runner was out, those guys play a bigger role. I think it was Chris Mack said those guys did get time then. So it's not like they haven't played extended minutes. They did get time at least at a certain point in the season, but certainly they're not playing quite as much. All right, another big story tonight uh, coming out of the Big 12. We, we've talked a little bit about the, the losses, the upsets, but let's talk about Texas. First place in the Big 12, you know, and, and obviously the whole Chris Beard situation put them in a tough spot. The first game for Rodney Terry was against Rice, and we thought they were going to lose. And look at what he's done since then, right? They're 13-4. and four. They're in first place. And now the question is, to me, legitimately, because, you know, he starts winning a little bit. You're like, all right, this is a cute story, right? Cute story, but he's never going to get the job permanently. And now it's like, what does this guy have to do to show that he deserves this job permanently, Kevin? What does he need to do? To me, I think it has to be a Final Four. Like, I, I, I understand. I think he's done a really good job with this group, but I think you have to understand he's in the perfect interim coaching situation, right? He has multiple former head coaches on his staff. He's got one of the oldest teams in the country. He's got guys who've played in March Madness with a guy like Tyrese Hunter and Jabari Rice, who, who's been huge for them. Um, and the team was was rolling before he got there, right? It's not like they weren't good before. I mean, they, they beat Creighton. They beat Gonzaga with, with Beard coaching them. It's, it's not like this team was struggling and he came in and, and righted the ship. He's done a great job, right? Holding this thing together was not going to be easy take nothing away. But I just think at a job like that, I, I would be really reticent, and especially because you look at some other situations somewhat similar to this, right? Like I, I look at Isaac Brown at Wichita That's State cool. and he yeah. he earned it, right? He did everything you could possibly do on the court to earn it. You had to give him a chance, but it hasn't worked out yeah. because he wasn't the best candidate for the job. And I think when you look at Rodney Terry, I, I, I tweeted this earlier today, they had Sule Boom and Bryson Williams together at UTEP for two seasons Rodney Terry went 16 and 18 in the conference USA with that group. Yeah. Um, they didn't win a conference tournament game. They didn't play in the postseason. That's not to say he's a bad coach, but when you're looking at the candidates for Texas, right? A top 10 job. Yeah. I, I just think you have to shoot higher and maybe, maybe you go through the list and nobody wants to come. None of the big names. And you say, all right, we've got this, you know, bird in the hand right here with Rodney Terry. You come back to him. Maybe you go that route. But to me, for him to, to seal it on the court, I think it has to be a final four. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tyler, you got anything on this? For, for me, I, just the 
I don't really think Rodney Terry's gotten the hype that he like he deserves. I think he's done an unbelievable job, and I understand they have good players. Chris Beard did a great job, uh, but to keep these guys motivated, uh, and I know they're you know they're they have some veteran leadership on their team too, and these guys aren't young. Uh, but I think he's done an unbelievable job. And to me, I don't look across the board and see somebody that has you know, like a, a surefire, Hey, we gotta, we gotta hire this guy. Cause he's going to start the program from this, you know, really build our program up. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think he's got a le- realistic shot. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Chris Del County, their AD wants to hire him, but again, like Kevin said, I don't think Darren Boatwright wanted to hire Isaac Brown, but they, they wanted a high enough level that you almost have no choice. I agree. I think it probably has to be a final four. A big 12 regular season title would be ridiculous. Even a lead eight and a big 12 regular season title would, would be hard not to give it to him. You know, my, my big concern is obviously, you know, can he, can he sustain it? Can he sustain it? That's the biggest thing. All right. Thanks for joining us. Field of 68s after dark. I'm Jeff Goodman. Thanks to Tyler Hansborough. Kevin Sweeney, our producer, Dagan Hughes. See you next time. Awesome, fellas. Thanks so much. You got it. You got it. All right. We will start the afters, boys. And uh, Dagan, we got anything specific or should we uh, should we yeah. discuss uh, what we didn't get to a little bit? Uh, you can talk a little bit while, while questions roll in. Um, All right, let, let's talk about something serious to start. And uh, Tyler, I really want to get your take on this. I don't know how much you followed this New Mexico State hazing incident. Um, but I was dealing with it last night. And, and basically what it is, is three players at New Mexico State, the same program that earlier this season had a player shoot, uh, basically get into a gunfight and and uh, shoot and kill a student at New Mexico as retribution for a fight at a football game. I don't know how clear I made that, but uh, it, it was a shit show, so it's hard to make it clear. Uh, anyway, same program. Coach doesn't get fired, nothing, whatever. And all of a sudden, um, and this has been going on, basically I was told today since a week or two after the the, the shooting, uh, three players have been hazing another player. And by hazing, I don't want to go into too many specifics, but what I will say is my sources have told me it's basically forcing him to take off his clothes in the locker room and doing certain things to him that, again, I won't go into the specifics. But shit, it just shouldn't go on in a locker room. And they're doing an investigation now, and they basically temporarily shut down the program, and and they may not play again this season. Have you ever heard anything like this, Tyler, before? Like, obviously, you, you've been in NBA locker rooms hearing stories for years. You hear, you hear stories about how much money guys got to go certain places. I know that that's always a yeah. topic, right? Things like that. Have you ever heard of, of, of this? No, um, this is a really sad situation. Uh, and not only this, this shouldn't happen anywhere, not just a lot. I mean, this is just a bad situation. I think the university did a good job. I mean, 
and just uh, canceling everything and trying to get a hold of it. But this sounds much bigger uh, than any NCA violations. And it's a, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really know where to go besides, you know, you, there could be some criminal charges and, you know, rightfully yeah, the, so, and some jobs, you know, people were going to be fired for sure. Kevin, what do you think when you heard all this? I mean, I was, I was shocked. Um, it's just, it, the, the culture around New Mexico state right now feels broken. Right. And look, this is a place and this, this is a place that has taken some chances on kids over the years without question. A renegade and, program, I would say. Yes. A hundred percent. Um, and I think certain coaches, and I think Chris Jans is probably a good example of this, have done a good job of getting guys kind of in line or out, out of the program, right? Like you're, you're, you're bought in and you're doing things my way or you're gone. And I think, you know, New Mexico state wanted to find another guy who could replicate that model. And I, I, I think when you have this number of severe incidents like this in a short amount of time inside a team. I think it reflects very poorly on, on the head coach and Greg hire. And I think it reflects very poorly on the decision to hire Greg hire. He should be fired immediately. Like he should be fired. He should have been fired months ago when he basically lied to the police. Like, what are we doing? Should have never been hired in the first place. I mean, the last, listen, want me to give you something? I'll give you a great story. I did the Greg Marshall story. Okay. Uh, called, I don't know, 50 people, Greg Marshall, Tyler, I don't know if you remember this at all. I wrote this story about three years ago and, uh, talked to about 50 people. Basically he had, among other things, he had punched a player in practice, punched a player named Shaq Morris. Greg Heyer was on staff. He was on staff. Greg Heyer was one of the people I called. You know what Greg Heyer didn't do? He was there. Players told me he saw the punch. He was right there. Greg Heyer wouldn't do, wouldn't admit it. Wouldn't admit it. Three years ago. So it's bad enough that he was there at the time and didn't do anything as a grown man. But even worse, when I called him and said, hey, man, you know what? Even off the record, tell me. Just tell me, am I right or wrong here? Nothing. Come on, man. Come on. And he had he had the audacity after the shooting incident with Mike Peake to sit and, and I've seen the video that it's public video from from the police the police are asking him questions about his player and he says well I don't know him that well I've only coached him for six months <laughs> are you kidding me right, right I don't know what he does I don't know I don't know what he's like I couldn't tell you much I, I just got started with this job in May what do you and mean? I don't know if he knew so I've heard conflicting I've, I've talked to a few people that were involved in this and gotten conflicting, not conflicting, but one says they think the staff, some staff members knew what was going on. And another said he, he doesn't know if, if that's the case or not, that the player never told the coaches. Obviously, I think if the player had told the coaches, something would have had to have happened. You, you would, would hope. hope. You would hope, you but would who hope. knows? Who knows? So anyway, that's where we stand right now with the New <clears throat> Mexico hazing incident, which is utterly disgusting um and and again i feel for the player and i hope the three players never ever i mean i would assume they never play the investigation is going to come out i know who the three players are i'm not putting their name out yet until the investigation is over and they can put it out but it's just yeah yeah disgusting anyway dagan let's move on to something a little bit better than that yeah we'll move to a little bit of a 
of a lighter note here. Uh, we'll, we'll give Yuli his moment to shine in the chat. Uh, his Butler Bulldogs took down Xavier last night. What are your thoughts uh, on that game? Since obviously we didn't have a show last night, so we didn't get, get, get a chance to talk about it. Yeah, go ahead. Sweeney, you got any thoughts on that? I mean, a controversial call at the end. How about Jeffrey Anderson being involved in both those calls uh, last night at Xavier? He's, he's, uh, got, he's got a tough little swing, yeah. Yeah, well, interesting at the very yeah, least. Yeah, interesting swing. I mean, I, I don't think there's much more there than a rivalry game where Butler walked in really, really motivated and Xavier walked in like they could roll him. And a lot of people have rolled Butler. Butler's not been very good. I don't. I still don't know how I love the outlook at, at Butler long term with the group they have. I think they're gonna have to turn this thing over. But I mean, it's a great kind of culture win for Thad and uh, a win that could cost Xavier the uh, the Big East title. They still get an opportunity again against Marquette this coming week in Milwaukee. It's gonna be a great game. But those are the games you have to win if you want to be a conference champion. Yep. What else? Uh, Samuel read my mind with this one. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about him during the show. So we'll talk about him now. What are your thoughts on Baylor? Probably maybe one of the hottest teams, if not the hottest in the country at the moment. Uh, what, what do you stand on them? Tyler, you want me to go or you want to take it? Uh, to me, Baylor's coming around. I remember when we uh, Big 12 play just started, they they got, they lost to Kansas State when they got hot and they took some bad losses. But it looks like they're turning over to be the team that uh, we originally thought they would be. They're, they're playing really well right now. Uh, the, yeah, so – you haven't seen – so you haven't had a chance to see this kid because he just got back. He um, – Jonathan Chamuachachu was his name, okay? He got – blew out everything in his knee a year ago and one of the hardest-playing dudes you will ever see in college hoops. And they weren't sure if he was going to play at all this year. And he came back about a week ago. I don't know how much he played. Do you know how much he played today, Sweeney? He played 25 minutes today. So they're getting them in there. Yeah. This kid is a warrior. You like you have to watch him because you will appreciate him mm-hmm. for, for how hard he plays, right, Sweeney? hundred percent. Probably the hardest working dude in the country. And I think the other thing, he's a great he's kind of the quarterback of their defense. Yeah. And I think they really missed him. I remember I was at the uh, Marquette game, which doesn't look as bad in retrospect. Marquette's really good, but they got <laughs> it still looks bad. Yeah, they got run off the floor yeah. because they just got put in so many ball screen coverages they didn't know how to deal with. And I think in March, having him back there to obviously protect the rim, but if nothing else, just make sure everybody's in the right spot, that that will be huge for them. He's not going to score a ton, although he is like shooting a ton of threes now. Yes. Which is kind Did, of he threes? Did he shoot a t- threes again today? Yeah, he took he took two of them. He didn't make any, but he well, Scott them. Scott Drew said the other night, he goes, he had nothing else to do but form shooting. Yeah. Couldn't do anything. So he's like, ah, I'm going to let the kid shoot threes. Like, why not? Like he plays that hard. It's almost like, like what I always felt like with Marcus Smart in the NBA when he first got in with Brad Stevens. Brad was just like, "All right, you know what? You're going to go that hard on defense. I'll let you jack however many you want. Go ahead. You you can you can throw up as many threes as you want." Dagan. Next up, a little more little more Big East talk. We can never get away from it with this chat. Uh, have your thoughts on UConn changed at all after what was a good performance with Marquette and then obviously crazy yeah. today? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, they're starting to get it back. They're not the team that people were making them out to be. And I blame Doster as much as anybody for, for the UConn, you know, train uh, early in the season, you know, the, the national title talk and all that. They're not that good, obviously. We, we see that now. But they're also not as bad as they were uh, in that stretch, you know, going back about it, starting about a month ago. They're somewhere in between. 
you know, they're limited because of their point guard play to me. I just think they've got to manufacture everything. And they also, the other part that scares me about them is they just don't have a rim protector at all. Playing in can be, but when you just go with Sunogo, I just feel like teams just drive it at them, just drive it at them, drive it at them, drive it at them. So, I, you know, I think they can be a second weekend team. Uh, I'm not sure they can be more than that. It's just day in, day out with Tristan Newton. Some days he's great. Sometimes he's terrible. And when he's terrible, I just don't think they're very good. I mean, and, and they take a lot of threes, which is is great when they're going like they were the first six weeks of the year. But since then, they haven't. Um, I mean, I, Joey, I was encouraged. When Joey's about, making them. When yeah, Joey's Joey making them, right? Yeah, he's he's yeah. he's unplayable. He's not making them, though, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I think they're good. I, I get worried, though, like. Andre Jackson's so important to their team and teams are just daring him to shoot. Yeah. I mean, he took 11 shots today Did he and, and he shoots the ball. And, I, and I, I, he's the hardest working kid in the world. I think it's probably similar to what you said with Mark smart, right? Like you're never going to tell him not to shoot because he does everything else for you. But right. at the same time, like he takes shots where I don't think he believes it's going in when it goes <laughs> off his hand. And it's he like, knows he's got to take it. Yeah. He's got to take Rondo. it because it's part of the offense. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, I don't know. I, I, it just limits their ceiling when he's on the floor offensively. And he gives it gives it all back defensively. But I think late in games, teams have dared him to shoot or played him off the floor. And that's what's happened today. The last three minutes of the game, he's not in the game. He's their most their best defensive player. And he's not in the game because, you know, he can't score. What else? We got uh, just a couple scores to update for people. UCLA is going to close out Oregon, it looks like, at Oregon, which uh, my buddy, is that Neil Everett in the stands? Um yeah, they're, they're, they're going to have a hard time getting in, which is too bad because I think this Oregon team, if Dana Altman had had him healthy all year, you know, he had no guards for literally a month, maybe yeah. more. Might have been more than a month. I think it was like like mid-January, almost like maybe January 10th, he got his guards back. But um, this would have been a tournament team if, if they had been full full strength. And Gonzaga's yeah, only up they- one. Gonzaga's up one right now at mm-hmm. home against BYU. Still not convincing. No, listen, this Gonzaga team is not. They're just okay. We've we've talked about it. They're they're just okay. But you know what? We'll say that, and then somehow they'll go on a run, and they'll get to like this would be the year. This would be the year. It would be the perfect college basketball story. Yeah, it would be the perfect college basketball story if this was the year they won it all. (laughs) Here's my big question: Is we've seen a drop off in talent already? And now they're going to lose Drew, Drew Timmy after this year. I, maybe he's got one more year left. I don't know. Probably does. Technically, but is he right. coming back? Down? I mean, if he's smart, he'll come back because he'll make a whole lot more money. But, but let's say he doesn't. Like, at what point are we going to really see the talent decline enough that Mark Few potentially says, you know what? I'm out. Like, what am I? Because I don't. I think Few is going to get frustrated with the NIL era. Not so much the transfer portal because – he, he's he's been the it's been a luxury for him that he, he it's been an advantage for Gonzaga lately the last few years dating back even like Nigel Williams Goss uh, but I wonder at what point Mark Few says all right you know what I'm not sure if we can compete for a national title again I'm out it's a good question yeah I mean I think probably three years minimum but yeah you know in that time frame you could start I could think you could start seeing that eventually he loves there's nobody better. And I don't I wonder how Roy was with, with this, but there's nobody who is better balanced, Tyler, that I've met coaching-wise in the sport. And actually, he's been better for me as a father, believe it or not, because he makes fun of me all the time. 
that I'm, you know, trying to break every story, everything like that. And it, it eventually like wore me down to a point where I thought about it. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, what the hell am I doing here? Cause like few won't go to the peach jam. Most, like a lot of years he won't go he'll he'll stay home with his family and fish and 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 enjoy july so you got to give him some credit for that especially because he's been able to still get great players how is roy how is roy as far as that balance is concerned do you know uh well i don't think coach williams is missing the peach jam um but no he never did he never did no um that's true i don't know i, I think he'd bring his wife with him to go travel a lot that's how he did it and uh you know i got he a lot still of do it Tyler, yeah. they still do it every game yeah um i don't know i got a lot of respect for mark few and you know i i think he'll continue to stay and figure it out i think he's a great coach um i would like to see Timmy come back. That would be really interesting. I mean, I didn't even think about it. He has another year. That's, that seems crazy. I thought he used all his eligibility, but uh, it, it would be crazy also if he hit the portal and took a, a big NIL deal somewhere else. That's how crazy things have gotten. But um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how Gonzaga, how they compete in the NIL with some of these other big schools. That's the one thing that concerns me. Uh, but I, I think few, I don't think he'll go out kind of the way that Bayheim's kind of going. Uh, you know, Syracuse have been struggling a lot, and Bayheim's, you know, he hasn't it's looked been too a great. Steady decline. Yeah. You know, it, like, like we've seen this coming with Bayheim for a while. It started to kind of, you know, decline. Where with Gonzaga, I wonder if it's going to be a little bit like quick if it happens. And I don't know if it will, because again, they're still going to get the best players in the WCC. So that's not going to fall off. I just hope they don't try to go into another big league. Like that would be my worry is they go in like the big 12 or the big East. And then you start to see the decline in talent a little bit. And then it's like, but right, it, but it goes both ways though. Right? Like they have a better chance of not declining in talent. If they go play in the big 12. True. True. Yep. That's true. I, I love watching Gonzaga play. And the reason is because they go to all these small uh, gyms and these, uh, it, they just pack them out. And I yep. love, I know that everyone kind of, you know, knocks them for playing, uh, you know, in a weaker conference and not a power conference. But, you know, that's one thing I enjoy about Gonzaga is going on these road games and, you know, every one of them is sold out. It's, it's, it's fun to watch. It's cool. I mean, they're, they're, they're just that cute story that like everybody wants to hammer them for not winning at all. And it's like, no, no, don't hammer them. Like embrace what they've done and what they've built there especially if you ever gone there, like I've been there numerous times and it's just like, it's amazing what they've done in Spokane. Amazing. hundred percent. All right. What do we got, Dagan? Uh, well, first of all, I'm going to yell at the chat. Uh, 470 people watching only 80 likes. Let's, let's, get, right. the, let's get that you like out. That, let's guys? get it to 200 <laughs> likes uh, and we'll make Sweeney do his best buzz from home alone impression. I got nothing. I got, right no, I got no, <laughs> no chance. Right here on the show. 200 likes. So you better figure it out, Sweeney. You got 120 likes. So leave. <laughs> um, but no, uh, Jesse wants to know what mid-major teams we should be looking out for uh, as we get closer to the tournament here. I mean, it's funny because really there's only one mid-major that large, and that's FAU. Yep. That's the only one. Right, Sweeney? Yeah. True mid. I mean the Mountain right. West. If you want to call them Mountain West, the Mountain West. Right. The, I'm not, the one I'm, bid I'm, leagues. It's F. Yeah. It's FAU, and that's it. So give me, give me a one bid league team that if they win their conference tournament, that that people should be really worried about. I think Oral Roberts could be there right again. I know they yeah. they've 
their only losses have been Q1 games, which, you know, they lost to, I think uh, they lost to New Mexico in a close game. They played, uh, I believe, Alabama. They played Houston. Um, couldn't quite get over the hump in those games. Obviously, different level of talent, but they're better analytically than they were when they went to the Sweet 16. They're much better defensively. Connor Vanovers helped them with that. They still have Ace Smith, and they have multiple, multiple guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who are back from that team. It's not just Ace Smiths. They've got, I think, three of their starters who were had that NCAA tournament experience. So they won't be afraid of the moment without question. So I'm going to go with one similar in a way, just because a lot of the players have been there before and it's Drake. <clears throat> yeah. You know, a lot of those guys, Roman Penn, uh, he's been there and you obviously you, you've talked. Those guys to- are like, that's the oldest college basketball team in the history of college basketball. Right. They're all six-year guys ex- except for Tucker, right? Like, I, mean, I think most- Hansbro could like suit up for them and no one would notice. <laughs> he's like too old, you know? And they've been good lately. They, they've started to get it rolling. Yeah. So like Drake would be a team that I would say if they get in, if they win the Valley Tournament. It's going to be a war. That is yeah. going to be a war of a tournament. Yes, it'll be great. Which always is, but there's five teams within one loss of each other yeah. right now at the top. Yeah. All right. Did you, well, we Goodman, the, uh, did you see the ACC statement? Yes. ACC I did. I've read it. I just saw it went out. What is this? Basically what I said? They said, yeah, they're, they're sorry. They screwed up. Sorry. They screwed up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There is an explanation of the rule, but again, it's great that they got it out tonight, but like, this should like like we should get this an hour after the game. That's what I said. Like it shouldn't be that hard to get it an hour after. Call Shire, apologize, and then you can even apologize. I mean, again, the hard part is they might not have known they got it wrong for an hour. All right, you know, wait till Shire lands. That's fine. They're you know they, they didn't go that far, right? We, you know, so they're they're fine. Um, all right, uh, Dagan. I'll give you one more, and then we can hit our toast of the night. ACC yep. Player of the Year. What do you got right now? It's funny because normally you got to give it to to whoever, to me, the player from the best team, okay? Well, I mean, Virginia, Pitt, Miami, they're all kind of right there right now, right? Virginia and, and Pitt are tied for first. Miami's a, a game back. So you could probably go with any of those guys. I, who would you – I mean, I might give it to – Burton at Pitt. He's awesome. Am I crazy? Like, am I crazy for giving it to Jamarius Burton? Again, he's been the key for probably the biggest surprise, certainly in the ACC, one of in the country. I know Kansas State's been a shock, obviously. But, like, again, with what we talked about, with losing freshman best returning player, just, I don't know. I mean – yeah, it's... I'll, I'll toss one other guy. This is this is this is just for for Tio, just for Terrence Oglesby. How yep. about Hunter Tyson? He's averaging sixteen and ten, shooting forty three percent from three at like high volume, right at the pack. I know again. I think we but we we all think that Clemson's wheels are about to fall off. Yeah, but yeah. if we're doing it today, yep. they'd be right there. Tyler, who you got? Anybody? I, I would say Armando. Uh, you got to consider him with what he's doing. And I know we haven't won as many games as we want, but also Turquavion Tur- Smith from NC State's playing really well at a high level, and NC State's really rolling too. So uh, those two guys are playing well. There's not a clear cut guy. It's interesting. I haven't really thought about the. I mean, you know, you got Big Ten. You know, it's Edie. You know, the one other guy in the ACC is Tyree Appleby. Yeah, he's been a great too. He's yeah. been great. He's been good. Yeah, it's been great. Wong's been good, not great. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, nobody from Virginia, I don't think, which is crazy. But they haven't had like a dominant player at all this year. All right, Actually, uh, hold on, I got one more. I got one more before we go because yeah. this one, this one is really, really important here for everybody's uh, employment at this at this company. <laughs> Who wins the Super Bowl tomorrow? And I'd be careful how you answer this. You already know. I don't have to get my. Shirt I'm sure everybody already knows who I'm picking. I'm going with the Eagles, obviously, for obvious reasons. <laughs> I grew up as an Eagles fan, so I'm I'm absolutely going with the Eagles. Yeah, I'm going Chiefs. Eagles. Yeah, Tyler's from Missouri. Missouri Chiefs, yeah. but fair enough. Fair Did enough. you grow up? Were you a Chiefs fan growing up? No, I was a Rams fan. I stopped pulling for the Rams when they went to Hollywood. You know, it's funny. So a buddy of mine. We're getting off tangent here. They're going to yell at me for doing it. Listen, we're already, we're already late. It doesn't matter. So uh, it better, be a, good, it's better be a good story, though, because we know how you're No, it's not a great shit. story, but, but whatever. <laughs> I'll make it quick. Uh, a good friend of mine at Arizona um, won the Lou Groza Award for the best kicker in the country at Arizona. They were, they were actually pretty good for a few years, Arizona football, believe it or not. And uh, – he was drafted in the third round by the Rams. His name's Steve McLaughlin. He didn't make it through. He made it like through half the season. He was so good in college. And it like, it was like the typical kicker, right? He, he got off to a bad start and just couldn't mentally mm-hmm. handle it. And they cut him literally halfway. They invested a third. I think he was like the highest drafted kicker other than Ray Guy or punter. Ray Guy was a punter like in years, like 20 years. And they cut him right away. It's like the Dallas kicker. Yes. Yeah, that was that's bad. Uh who do you got, Sweeney? Who you who you for Super for Bowl. for the Super Bowl? Yeah. I'll I'll take the Eagles. I'm I'm team Dagan over Team Hansburg. That felt like that felt like some pity. That felt like a pity vote. What that felt like. He knows where his bread is buttered. <laughs> yes, I know. Well, I should actually. You know what? I'm flipping to the Chiefs just because Dagan did me wrong with the graphic earlier. No, that's, <laughs> all right, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. He he murdered you with that graphic. <laughs> that, I, mean, I will say that has been in 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 the works for probably months at this point. <laughs> that was such an elite graphic. Honestly, that was that was tremendous. All right, let's do uh, toast of the night. Um, uh, Sweeney, start us off. My, my glass is empty, but uh, my, my toast of the night is to the, the Fordham Rams and Keith Ergo. Really? Uh, 20 wins officially today. That's the first time in over 30 years. They're the first A-10 team to 20 wins. I know the schedule's weak. I know the league's down. This excuse, that excuse. It's Fordham, and they've won 20 games in year one. And 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 quite frankly, as a guy awesome. who would never have had a chance to get the job the year before, and gets an opportunity because yep. he's in, you know, in the right place at the right time, and is taking advantage more than anyone could have you know could have imagined. So so kudos to Keith Ergo and and the Fordham Rams for a wonderful season so far. All right, Tyler, I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with my Tar Heels today, you know, playing like they actually like basketball and uh, showing some excitement. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna give a toast to them after losing three games in a row. They come out and act like they still enjoy it. So uh, here we go. I'm gonna give a toast. Are you ready for this one, Tyler? To Coach K for showing up at a college. <laughs> <trip today. laughs> maybe maybe this will get him. He took the plunge. He went into like the shallow end today. Maybe he can go in the deep end and go to a Duke kids pool. Yeah, yeah. Like like he he went in. So he saw a St. John's game, and St. John's won. So maybe he's the good luck charm 
show up at a Duke game, and maybe the Blue Devils win. So, Coach K, good job. It was good to see you at a college hoops game today. All right. Dagan, we're out. Uh, thanks to everybody uh, for tuning in, listening. Uh, thanks for everybody in the chat. You guys are great. Hopefully you hit you know the like button so we got over 100 at least. Uh, thanks to Tyler, Sweeney, Dagan. Uh, I'm Jeff Goodman. We'll